This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Guriel, three more RBIs. He continues to swing a hot bat. Really good to see Jake Marisnik get in on the action. One, two. Swing and a miss. Fegley goes down on a slider, and that is the ball game. The Houston Astros pour it on, defeating the Oakland A's tonight 13-5. That's seven consecutive wins for the Astros. That's a season-high win streak. This is another Astros podcast. Well, before the three-game series concludes here, AJ, maybe the the toughest decision for you for the lineup was to put Evan Gaddis back in there. What was the (laughs) determining factor there? The 0-2. Gaddis hits it high in the air and pretty deep to left field. It sends back Canna on the warning track, looking up, and that ball is gone. A three-run home run for Gaddis. His second three-run home run in as many days. And the Astros' lead is 9-0. 15 RBIs in his last seven games now for Evan Gaddis, who's about as hot as anybody in baseball. 11 homers in just his last month. Evan Gaddis, my goodness. And he hammers this one to left field. And that is deep into the seats and into the night for Evan Gaddis. Two home runs on the evening and back-to-back nights now with five RBIs. And Gaddis joins J.R. Tolles as the only Astros to have 10 RBIs over a two-game span. His second multi-homer game this season. This is silly hot right now for Evan Gaddis. Uh, he's taking a few good swings. You know, we're just trying to get him started and get him going and, and, and see if he can, you know, contribute at any level. And, and uh, then you look back and realize he's been um, the best that we have. And, and what, a, what a run that he's been on of doing damage on pitches that he's hitting. But um, usually I start with Altuve. And yeah. today, you know, you I kind of started in the six hole with Gattis and worked backwards. <laughs> All right, I want to ask you about how you manage two different games. Last night, you get up by 10 runs. How do you manage the guys and keep them engaged in the game? Well, the game, you know, it's it's funny nowadays. The, 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 the game is, you know, is kind of managed by the players when it comes to that type of stuff. They don't want to give away any at-bats. You just kind of remind them, like, it's... Um, you know, you don't want to get too greedy, and that's kind of what happened in the middle innings. You know, you get a little bit big. Guys want to hit some homers. They want to do some damage. Um, I thought Cole even got caught a little bit by pitching to the scoreboard, which I, I support. But at the same time, you got to be really careful against guys like Chris Davis and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So it, um, it's a weird game when you get ahead because, you know, almost to a man <clears throat> on both sides, I think everybody's like, okay, let's get to the end of the game at 10 nothing lead, especially with our pitching staff. Um, I don't think too many people thought they were going to come back, but you still got to play the game. You still got some at bats to take, and and you don't want to take them for granted. And a quick turnaround today, AJ. How do you manage a team which may come out a little flat early? Well, I think Justin Verlander is going to help with yeah. that because you know there's a there's a fear factor for players when he pitches mm-hmm. because of the intensity that he brings and the 
and the readiness that he has. And, and you know, I, I think our team's in a really good place. It is a quick turnaround. We, we stay all the way over in San Francisco, so you have the long ride last night, the long ride back this morning. Um, but, you know, we're on a pretty good roll here. We've got some tone setters. Getting Bregman back at the top of the order, um, having not played yesterday, he was all over me yesterday saying there's so many hits that are out there that I took away from him by benching him. So um, hopefully he sets the tone at the top with George getting the day off and, and we pick up where we left off. I thought you had some great comments yesterday about Jake Marisnik, and you said, you know what, he's not going to come out of this funk unless I play him. If he plays once a week, there's no chance he comes back. And he got in there and he contributed yesterday. He did, and, and you know, obviously on both sides. And, in, in the, you know, it's so frustrating for for him and for, for us, for fans, for everybody when a, when a player is – is trying to find his way, but you know, I having having been there and kind of understanding what it's what it's like to just want to do something positive on a daily basis. It's uh, it's important to get to keep him in the rotation and keep him going. And it, you know, when he comes out and you know, I think the double that started the whole big monster inning was yeah. huge for us. And we, you know, you look back and you're like, yeah, Evan Gaddis had a great game, and and Yuli had had a lot of hits, and Marwin had a spectacular game. Something small like a leadoff double in the second inning that that even though we had a three nothing lead led to a seven run inning. That's that's a that's a tone setter in itself and uh, the the great defensive play later in the game, the homer off the position player. I'm not sure what he needed the most other than than simply contributing on a positive note in, in all facets. You guys face a pretty tough righty today. You haven't seen a lot of him, but Frankie Montas has come out and had three really good starts. What do you what have you seen from him? You know, he's just got sort of electrifying stuff. He's yeah. that young guy that can that will try to outstuff you. You know, he's not necessarily a pitch maker, but his stuff is good enough to get outs in a lot of different ways. So we need to feel him out and 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 get get into the game. You know, I, I what I've noticed specifically against the A's, but but against when we're at our best. We put so much pressure on on pitchers, yeah. and especially young pitchers. Last night we saw it. As soon as we got a base runner or two, he pitched Correa so carefully that he got that he drew a walk, and Yuli gets the base hit, and off we go. So, with young pitching, and, and especially a uh, a stuff type guy like Montas, let's let's try to put pressure on him and see if we can get him out of his, his comfort zone. All right, going for the sweep today against Oakland. AJ Hinch, thank you very much. You got it, Sparky. The Houston Astros Radio Network. That ball is gone. Steve Sparks, Robert Ford. And you can kiss it goodbye. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network. Welcome back. Robert Ford joined by Daniel Mengden, starting pitcher for the Oakland A's and a, a Houston native out of Westside High School, went to AM. And you were actually originally drafted by the Houston Astros in the fourth round back in in 2014 and uh, you grew up grew up following the Astros what are some of your your early memories of of following the Astros Did you, you get to a lot of games at the Dome or at, or at Minute Maid Park yeah I've gone to a lot of games in my life uh, with my dad with my friends uh, even went to one of the World Series games against the White Sox mm-hmm. I mean I've been to I mean countless games there been really big fans of uh, Big Joe Berkman Bagwell the Killer Bees and the whole I mean Roy Oswald all those guys they had the pitchers Roger Clemens Andy Pettit I mean I'm Huge fan of the Astros, always been, always will. And you got a chance to play on a travel team with uh, Connor Biggio, and Craig Biggio was was one of the assistant coaches. Did you have to get over your shock and awe of being around a, a future Hall of Famer at the time? Yeah, it was one of those things where you try to act normal, I guess. A little, I, mean, I think I was 12, 13 around mm-hmm. there, so I mean, I was still, you know, in that starstruck phase and everything, and it was really nice. Uh, I got to travel. We drove, uh, you know, state to states uh, uh, to some tournaments. You know, he was helping out, me out catching defense, offensively, and I mean, it was it was just one of those things where you can't pass up. You know, having Craig Biggio as an assistant coach. 
was Craig Biggio the sort of coach who always had something to say, or was he one of those guys? He didn't talk often, but when he spoke, you listened? Yeah, I'd say when, when he spoke, you listened. Yeah. He'd sit there, you know, he'd be a big observer, I'd say, as a coach, and uh, you'd let, he'd let you make mistakes, and then he'd come over and talk to you and say, hey, maybe next time let's think about this and this. And, you know, it's just one of those things where um, I think he, uh, like, he just kind of lets you play and then, we'll, like I said, step in when, when need be. Now, you were a catcher in high school. You were a DH in addition to pitching at, at Texas A&M. Did you know at some point that you were going to have to choose uh, between one or the other, being a position player or being a pitcher? Yeah, I was always in talks. Uh, you know, me and my coach, Rob Childress, at Texas A&M, my junior year, came in. And he said, hey, you know, if, if you're going to make it at the next level, it's going to be as a pitcher. So I think we need to hang up the bat and mm -hmm. we need to focus on pitching and stay that direction. So that's what we did my junior year. And so far, so good, I think. So after your... Your final year at Texas A&M, you get drafted by the Houston Astros, your boyhood team. First of all, did you know the Astros were interested in you, and what was your reaction when you found out that they had drafted you? Uh, yeah, I, I really had no, no idea it was coming. Uh, you know, I had an injury going to the draft that a lot of teams stayed away from me, and the fact that the Astros, um, my agent called me and said, hey, the Astros are taking you here 4-1, and I was just like, wait, the Astros? And he's like, yeah, the Astros <laughs> are taking you 4-1, and I was like, I, mean, I hope they do, you know, if it comes down to it. And they ended up calling right before it happened. And, you know, my mom and dad, when my mom was crying, my dad was jumping out of his shoes. And, you know, I was just really excited for the opportunity. And so you get drafted by the Astros 2014. 2015, the, near the trade deadline, you get traded here over to Oakland as part of the Scott Casimir deal. Was, was that a little bittersweet for you? Because I know a lot of times that first time you get traded can be a bit of a shock. Yeah, we were all uh, you know talking about it on our team in high A, and we knew trades were going to happen. Mm. And uh, it was funny; we, we all kind of joked and thought I might have a safety blanket because I was from Houston, being mm. you know a hometown boy. But you know, it's a business, and you know you got to pull the right, pull the strings, I guess, when they're called upon. Now you are a family of five. You have uh, a brother and three sisters who are all ballerinas and have been pretty successful. You just tell me about your brother in the Cincinnati Ballet. Uh, your sisters have, have, have danced for quite a while as well. At what point did you realize maybe baseball was the route for you as opposed to ballet? I mean, they all got into it and they all fell in love with it. My mom told me, hey, give it a shot. I think mm -hmm. I was around 11, 10 years old. I gave it a shot for an entire year. I did ballet, tap, jazz, and modern. And, you know, it wasn't bad. It just, mm -hmm. it wasn't for me. I, I, I wanted to stick to soccer, basketball, you know, swimming, yeah. baseball. More the macho sports, I guess you could say. <laughs> and you swam at Westside High School in addition to playing baseball, right? What was your, what were your events in at at, uh, at Westside? Uh, I was more of a sprinter. Did the 50 free, 100 free, then both relays on the 50 and 100 free. So just strictly freestyle. Do you do you do you still get into the pool now? Uh, here and there, occasionally, but not as much as I used to. All right, Daniel Mengden, always good to see you. Uh, good luck when you're not facing the Astros, of course, and uh, continue success. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. The Houston Astros Radio Network. And Alex Lyons is in the left center field. That's a base hit. Fisher around third and coming home. The throw to the plate. Not in time. Astros win. Astros win. Robert Ford. He's a baseball player. Alex Bregman. Steve Sparks. That's how you play baseball. The Houston Astros Radio Network.